SmartOptics provides open optical networking solutions and devices for the new era of open networking. What are the key growth opportunities making the investment case an exciting story? We'll discuss this and more in today's episode. Welcome to Utbytte, the DMB podcast where we explain the financial markets and the global economy. My name is Marius Brunhaugen from DNB Markets, and today I'm joined by Magnus Grenfeldt, the CEO of SmartOptics. Thanks for joining us, Magnus. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. All right. So uh, first of all, with uh, assistance from uh, our investment banking team here at DNB Markets, uh, SmartOptics listed on Euronext Growth in the start of June this year. Uh, would you say the listing has been a good experience for you and uh, the SmartOptics team so far? Uh, yes, uh, the listing was a good experience overall. We had a very good team, uh, both internally from DNB and from our legal advisors. So uh, so very good experience. I have to say that I'm pretty happy that we are through this phase. It has a tendency of uh, absorbing energy and focus. So we're glad to be through. So now it's uh, full steam ahead and all focus on uh, on the business. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's good. Uh, in today's episode, we'll spend uh, the first part learning about uh, smart optics and then uh, the second part discussing uh, growth uh, opportunities. Uh, sounds good? Yes, so firstly, uh, maybe you could give us the short pitch. So why should investors take a closer look at uh, the investment case in smart optics? Yeah, um, good question. So, so, so when we have been talking to investors and building our own internal business plan as well, we have been working uh, with, with three main pillars uh, that I certainly believe makes the, the case um, fantastic. Uh, so the first one uh, is is our market, which is driven by an ever growing demand for bandwidth, and I th- think um, most people can 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 relate to that. Uh, everyone is consuming uh, video, TV, five uh, G. Uh, people have cars that talk over the internet, etc. So it's not so hard to understand. Uh, number two is our position in that market, where there is lots of opportunity to innovate, uh, and really quite a few. Uh, uh, really few competitors, uh, I should say. And number three, the third pillar in, in, in our plan is, is really the fact that we have proven this business plan. We have been growing very healthy uh, really since I came on board in 2016. And, and since 2019, we've also shown that we can do this with profitable growth. So it's a pretty good track record and, and a fantastic team. And we'll uh, touch about touch uh, upon uh, several of these uh, topics uh, during uh, the episode today. But uh, as I said in the introduction, Smart Optics provides uh, optical networking solutions and devices for the new era of open networking. So explain to us what does this mean? Well, uh, optical networking uh, it is really about transporting data. So um, um, most people know what a what an optical fiber is. Uh, optical fibers are in the ground and, and we provide networking equipment that allows people to utilize those optical fibers in, in the most efficient way. Um, so transporting data is, is the root of what we do. The new era that we are uh, talking about uh, in, in this message, is it really refers to some new trends in how networks should be built, 
leveraging openness, modern software and hardware design principles, uh, etc., all in all to give our customers um, a more cost-effective uh, uh, data transport, really, and, and to break vendor lock-in situations that they've been in for decades. So can you describe to us what problem or problems do you solve for uh, your, your clients? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's So we want to provide uh, bandwidth, capacity uh, for whatever purpose they need it for, uh, at the most attractive uh, attractive price points or, or rather costs in the market. And, and that is nearly all related to how we design our products, um, software and hardware. Uh, so, so the problem we solve is, is to make sure that, for instance, a, a customer operating two data centers, how do they make, how do they get the capacity they need between these data centers at the right cost? Uh, or if you want to connect a 5G base station with the core of a, of a network, how do you make sure that you can transport that data as cost effectively as possible? Um, so, so, so that's essentially uh, everything in everything we do. That is the key problem that we solve. Can you give us an example of uh, who is your typical uh, customer? So we have, uh, if we look at our more advanced products that we have uh, developed over the past five years, we have several hundred customers uh, on that already. So, so, uh, and that could be anything from a, a small enterprise uh, customer wanting to connect a couple of data centers. They buy a network from us for roughly a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, retail local governments, whatever, all the way up to, to um, well, I should say through the, the cloud and hybrid cloud world where you have uh, organizations offering very advanced IT services to, to enterprises and such. And then, of course, all the way up to uh, operators, network operators who build nationwide or, or, or even worldwide uh, networks, um, where they use our products for for, for some some niche applications, um, yeah. So even a company like Verizon has been buying our products. So a wide range of customers. And the client base is it uh, mainly from the Nordics or uh, is it uh, globally? We are global. Um, I should say that the European Union, including Nordics and the US, is is of roughly equal size. So about. The U.S. is actually our, our biggest market, United States. Uh, uh, we do sell in, in Asia-Pacific, uh, quite dominated by Australia and New Zealand, but, but there are some other markets that are starting to show good signs in, in APAC. So, uh, but, but selectively global, I should say, because we're not everywhere. Uh, okay. Um, so try to explain to us, uh, how does your business model work? Uh, so, so our, our, our business model um, uh, overall is, um, I mean, we, we, we design our products uh, based on input from, from customers and based on, on our competence in, in how, uh, how this, this type of network sh- should, be, uh, should be built. Uh, then, uh, then we um, have in-house manufacturing of, of these products. Uh, all of the software is, is of course, uh, in-house developed. 90% of, of what we do is software development. Uh, then we sell this, uh, these products through a uh, either direct, which is the smaller part, about 25% we sell to direct customers around the world, 
or we sell through one of our roughly 150 sales partners of, of different of different kind, anything from a small value-added reseller to, to some really large partnerships with companies like Dell, uh, Dell EMC, for instance. Um, so, so, so that's the essence of, of, uh, of the business model. Mm. So do you um, customize solutions to each uh, single customer or uh, can you sell the same solution to multiple uh, customers? So, so we are our, our products are, are are fairly advanced and standardized. So we sell the same product in in uh, to 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 uh, to all customers. Uh, so it's scalable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the only thing, thing that is, is tailor made is the particular uh, network design for a particular customer. But that depends more on uh, on on what their network looks like. But the products are the same, so it's very scalable. And are there any repeating sales to uh, customers or, or do you have to sort of find new customers uh, every time? Uh, that, that depends on, on who we're addressing. So, so this company, if we go back five years, five years in time, uh, when I joined, it was, we were selling nearly all, all of our products to enterprise customers. And in the enterprise space, of course, an enterprise builds a couple of data centers. They build a new network to support that. Uh, and then they use it for uh, three to five years and, and then they upgrade the whole thing and come back and buy. And in the meantime, you sell things like software support and, and some infill capacity, a little bit more of the same. But effectively, the previous then, you have to go out and find new customers all the time. An important element of our new business plan is to address the operator community where you win an account uh, uh, with a particular application, and then you grow with your customer, uh, and it's it's more like long long cycles of network rollouts. Uh, and we have been on that journey for 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 um, uh, three four years now, uh, and been rather successful in the operator space. So, so it's both. Um, uh, but obviously, uh, what you want to achieve is is uh, kind of a land and land and land and expand strategy with the customers to become more relevant and, and sell more products. Uh, and, and, and services. So um, uh, how large share of the total revenues are, are recurring revenues today? Uh, so yes, uh, so we, uh, we, 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 when we sell our products, we also sell uh, services associated with the products, uh, things like software support and, and help desk and things like that. And, and typically uh, either a customer buys um, in advance three or five years of, of, of service contracts or they buy it on a subscription subscription model. And this part of the company is, is growing uh, rather quickly. The other thing we have in the companies is uh, um, we sell our advanced solution products, which is the biggest part of the company, but then we also sell devices, which is um, you know more simple products where we book thousands of, of purchase orders every year, uh, which becomes kind of a run rate business um, that we sell through this uh, channel, uh, global channel to thousands of, of end customers. So do you, do you uh, um, produce all your products and solutions uh, yourself? Uh, if you look at the more, uh, well, so... Uh, to begin with, of course, we are using things like contract manufacturing. We're using uh, Kitron, a Norwegian company, to uh, to um, mount components on on our circuit boards in 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 our, in our products. Uh, we're also buying advanced optical components from from the world leaders in that industry. Um, and then what we do in house on the more advanced products is is uh, really 
uh, final assembly, uh, software configuration and test. So the rest is, is more or less outsourced. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so, so that's, that's the level of production we have in-house and then using uh, outside. But it's our designs and, 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 and our IPR uh, in those products. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at uh, the market and uh, the competitive uh, landscape. Um, it's always interesting to sort of get uh, uh, a pinpointed sum on the addressable market. Uh, do, you, do, do you have the size of it in, 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 in uh, US dollars or, or in uh, Norwegian crowns? Yeah, we do. The market, the market is huge. Uh, the overall optical networking market, which is what I talked about, you know, transporting data is, is a 14 billion US dollar market. Of course, we don't address all of that. Uh, when we slice out our piece of it um, uh, by application and by geography, uh, we are looking at uh, an addressable market of roughly 4 billion US dollars. So, the, the market is is absolutely big enough for grow at the pace we've been growing now or even much faster for a very long time before that becomes a problem so it's a big market yeah yeah and as you say and as i understand this is a this is a growing mar- growing market so so what are the key drivers for uh, growth in your products and solutions well well i think um th- there are key drivers that that are quite easy to see in 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 our everyday lives and and that is the things that i referred to earlier you know we have new ways of watching tv uh, um, where everyone looks at whatever they want at any time that is consuming bandwidth um uh, internet of things more and more things are communicating over the internet without without human interaction so to say um and there is also so, so those behavioral uh, things are absolutely driving our market but then there is also development in new access technologies such as 5g 5g will be a massive driver for bandwidth uh, over the coming years and also other you know the world becoming more fiber connected up here in, in scandinavia a lot of us are already fiber connected but it's not like that in, in the rest of the world so uh, so, so there are several uh, drivers uh, f- for this. Basically, anything that consumes bandwidth uh, drives our market. Mm. In terms of uh, the underlying market and how it is uh, developing, can you put any numbers on how fast it is uh, growing? Yeah, there are several several studies on that. Uh, if you look at, for instance, uh, the Cisco VNI, which is one of the go-to sources for this kind of data, they are talking about. Uh, a Kager growth uh, of 29% in terms of bandwidth utilization. Uh, so even faster than, than our uh, uh, companies growing and much faster than the overall optical networking market. But the underlying demand for bandwidth is, is growing um, like this and has been for a very long time. And will there is no data indicating a slowdown in that. Um, and again, I, th- I think that most people can relate to to that in their personal life and habits, etc. So, b- big growth. Yeah, and a growing market, I guess, it uh, makes it uh, interesting for for several players. Uh, how would you describe the competitive landscape, um, and what separates uh, you at Smart Optics from your strongest competitors? 
Yeah, the competitive landscape has changed dramatically over the past five years. And this is also one of the strongest points in in our business plan. It's something we refer to as the gap argument, um, which basically describes uh, a gap between large and small players. Uh, Five years ago, there were several companies with a turnover of 100, 150, 200 million dollars. They have all been acquired. Um, uh, So when we look north... um, I mean, the, the next competitor has, has a, a turnover, which is uh, 10, 15 times what we do today. Uh, so it's surprisingly few competitors. And, and I think one reason for that is, is you can't build a company like this anywhere in the world. You have to have domain competence uh, in, in hardware and software development. And, and Scandinavia is one place where you can do it, um, of course, um, most people working here have a long history of, of, of um, uh, working with similar technologies. Um, so that's an important point. Uh, but of course, um, so most most of our competitors are really, really big. Um, uh, Cisco, for instance, Sienna Corporation, uh, etc. So, so why don't uh, the large players give you more competition when this uh, segment of the market uh, seemingly is uh, quite attractive? Well, the um, you know we we uh, these trends that I was referring to earlier, openness, breaking vendor lock in, uh, etc., uh, moving away from from um, from from the old world where basically Ericsson won a complete country of, of communication, which is not the case anymore. That's that's a great opportunity for people like us to be innovative. Uh, it's in our DNA to build cost-effective products. Uh, and we really have nothing to lose on these new trends. If you look at the established players, uh, they are generally quite uh, quite jammed with with uh, commitments to very large customers um, and and a very large customer in our world is Verizon AT&T China Mobile Deutsche Telekom etc uh, while we are not so so we can be quite free to service and innovate small and mid-sized customers um, uh, and and uh, and I think um, it, it defocuses um, the big guys if they wanted to go after this. Uh, so we partner with some of them and, and, and help them out with, with these type of products as well. So, so so this leaves sort of a window of opportunity for you guys. Is this what you mean when you refer to uh, the gap in the market? Yes, uh, yes, that is the gap. Uh, th- there is a lot of room for growth uh, for us um, in in the gap between uh between us and, and and the big competitors, and it's quite surprising to see, uh, you know, mid-sized customers, and and they may be fairly large. Um, we did win in in Q one a, a, a very large uh, US-based mobile backhaul tower provider that we talked about in in, in the Q one uh, announcements earlier. Uh, so. It's surprising how big customers that need people like us uh, to follow their pace and and to uh, provide the innovation that they need. They don't get it from 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 the big guys in the market. Uh, we can be faster. We can be more agile, etc. So so the gap is uh, well, like in in the banking world. I mean, Goldman and Sachs do most of the really big IPOs and and uh, and. Um, DNB does uh, their size, etc. So, so it's really uh, a balance that is needed. 
Okay, we have to talk uh, a little bit about margins and, and growth opportunities, uh, all the exciting uh, stuff. Uh, and, and during the period from 2016 to uh, 2020, um, if I read correctly, uh, your average, averaged uh, revenue growth rate was 23, 23%, uh, which according to you is uh, significantly faster than, than the overall optical networking uh, market. So my question is, will you be able to continue to outgrow uh, the market? Um, yes, uh, I think we will. Uh, so, so, and also, yes, we are growing uh, significantly faster than anyone else in our market, uh, no doubt. Uh, I think uh, also in 2020 versus 2019 was uh, 30%. Q1 to Q1 was uh, 50% this year. So the growth continues. Uh, and and the, the way we... Um, uh, the way we go about this, it's 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 really about um, uh, expanding our addressable market uh, within the market by um, developing uh, software and hardware to reach more applications and to become more relevant to get bigger share of wallet uh, fr- from from our customers, and that we can continue to do uh, for a very long time. Uh, if you compare the company five years ago with now. Uh, our addressable market has probably uh, gone up uh, by by somewhere, uh, really we say eight times roughly, by doing what we're doing. So and that we can continue to do. So uh, by becoming more relevant to our customers, we, we can continue to grow. Uh, yeah, and, I, and 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 the gap we discussed uh, earlier. I mean. With regards to that, uh, how how much can you grow before the large uh, players uh, in the networking industry become uh, annoyed? Well, uh, I'm kind of hoping that they are annoyed already. Uh, however, <laughs> I think I think we can grow. Uh, I think we can grow much more before we become a a, a problem in the sense. I mean, looking back, uh, if we if we choose to learn from history, you know, um, sooner or later a really big one will come and say that they want to acquire you, right? That's not uh, on my radar right now. I'm, I'm all about uh, organic growth, uh, continuing with that. And I think uh, somewhere $150, $200 million we can reach without um, without becoming a real problem for, for the uh, really big guys uh, in, in our industry. That That's how I see it. Mm. And you expect your uh, EBTA margin to increase uh, going forward. Uh, can you explain to us how you expect to achieve this while you are growing fast at uh, the same time? Yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, there are basically two good reasons uh, we uh, have to believe that we can uh, increase the profitability of the company. The first one is related to product mix. I told you earlier that we have our advanced new modern products uh, that is now the biggest part of the company uh, that has been growing by about 40% over the past two years. I believe it's 38% growth in, in that segment. Also, services associated to, to those products uh, is growing even faster than that. Um, so things like software support, etc. Uh, and of course, our margins are, are better when we sell the more advanced products versus the more simple products. So we have a product mix that is um, shifting 
quite rapidly uh, to becoming uh, more profitable um, or, or rather to produce more gross margin. The other thing is that our top line growth is has been much faster uh, than our OPEX growth uh, in, in the past five years where we have been, OPEX has been growing by roughly 11% every year and, and, and um, top line 23. So Combined, the two of them gives us very good reasons to believe that we can continue to to increase the EBTA in the company. All right. So I guess uh, my final question uh, for today is, um, do you have to invest any significant amount to continue to on the growth journey? Uh, no, not really. Uh, if we talk about investments, uh, so, um I mean, we have we are continuously investing, and, and I mean, the bigger customers we we address, the bigger projects we address, the more uh, things like lab facilities, uh, test equipment related to to uh, uh, R and D, etc., are needed, and we're continuously investing in in things like that. The reason why we uh, brought in some additional cash in the company in this transaction was was really to to. Uh, uh, to build a, a, a good good uh, buffer of cash t- to uh, um, uh, yeah to support our, our uh, working capital needs uh, going forward. Um, the other investments we do uh, are of course related to things like uh, opening up new markets, new salespeople in in certain geographies, etc. Uh, but, but there are no. And, and we are continuing to invest in our in our products, uh, roughly the same every year, uh, growing a little bit uh, every year. Uh, so, but but nothing nothing really really major uh, at this point. Okay, Magnus, that uh, wraps it up for uh, today. So uh, we of course look forward to uh, following Smart Optics uh, going forward. Uh, thanks again for uh, joining us uh, today, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, listening. Yeah, and thank you very much. Denne podcasten och dets innehåll ska anses som marknadsföringsmaterial från DNB och må inte uppfattas som en investeringsanbefaling eller som investeringsanalys. Innehållet ska heller inte anses för att vara investeringsrådgivning tillpassad den enkelte kundes behov. Information som ges i podcasten är kun ment som generell sparvägledning och är inte ment att utgöra juridisk, finansiell, kommersiell, skattemässig eller regnskapsmässig rådgivning. DNB tar inte ansvar för direkte eller indirekte tap eller kostnader som måtte uppstå ved bruk av information i denna podcasten. För mer information och full disclaimer, vänligt se vår webbsida dnb.no-disclaimer.